<laughs> That's quite cute, actually. Let's get that. Well, hello, and welcome to the Upo Danlo, recorded at the Australian National Academy of Music. I'm Luke Carbon. And I am Kenny Keppel. And this week, we want to talk about auditions. This is a special holiday edition of the Upo Danlo. Everyone's on holidays. We're on break at the moment. There's yeah. about seven people wandering around the building where ordinarily there's upwards of 70. Yep. And so we're going to take this opportunity uh, to talk about something that's really integral to the entire world that we operate in. It's pretty much how it's, it's what this industry runs on is auditions. To get a job, you have to, you have to win an audition. To, to get the gigs, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So we're going to open that up a little bit. We're going to talk to our artistic director, Nick Deutsch, a little bit later on. And we have a, um, a very special guest, one of our horn players, to, uh, to chat to in our Minute of Mimicry. But before that, um, Kenny. Yes. You've got a story to tell. Well, I just wanted to sort of give people an idea of what auditioning is like, um, from my perspective anyway. <laughs> tell me what you've been up to. I've been doing a lot of auditions this year. I've made a lot of tapes and will be doing some later in the year as well. It involves a lot of preparation. It involves a lot of uh, fine-tooth combing through your material and through your performances and making sure that you are ready and prepared and trying to minimise the chances of anything going wrong, really. I mean, there are some things that are out of our control, but... Um, a lot of it is within your control and that happens in the practice room. So quite recently, um, you didn't win the audition, but you went extremely yeah, well with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I did an audition for, um, for a, a, a job and yeah, ended up getting to the final round, which is really nice. It's um, fantastic. Yeah, it's, nice, it's a nice feeling. You, so when you say the final round, how many rounds were there? Uh, um, so there were three rounds in total um, and how it works is uh, the first two rounds were screens so the the panel of about 12 uh or more people i don't remember exactly how many there were they all sit behind a screen so they can't see you and they can't hear you well no they can hear you sorry <laughs> they can't with it. they can't see you <laughs> um uh so it's that's to remove bias um in case there's any uh racist or sexist or um fashionist bias against what you're wearing that's funny. I've been told previously that um, that I need to get a haircut. At auditions? Uh, no, not in an audition, um, at a competition. Just by your mum or what? No, no, no. This was someone who was in a managerial position of uh, some orchestra and I didn't, I didn't win the competition, but one of the comments that he got, I don't even think he was on the panel or anything. He just sort of said... What, just a punter came up and gave his... Yeah, his he was just like, let me give me some advice. You, you should get a haircut. Oh, man. Because when people look at you, they want to see someone who is tidy and professional. And, I mean, to be honest, I don't I didn't think I looked that bad. But, I mean, that's interesting, though, because I'm seeing a lot more in, in today's orchestras that you're seeing more people with, like, mohawks and tattoos, tattoos and, like, bright, you know, bright-coloured hair um, dyed, of course. and Natural green. <laughs> Natural green. <laughs> We've talked about this before, though. Like, it, it, it's it's a changing face of the industry. Like, we're, we're no longer, I think, expected to be, you know, yeah. cut copies of, yeah. you know, whatever the ideal orchestral 
members. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to be totally fair, most orchestras have this trial period, right, where you might win an audition, but you'll have, you know, a, a sort of probationary period where you have, you know, that's right. The orchestra in the section will will, will, will make their own judgments, um, you know, in performances. Yeah, so you'll get like six months. Uh, it's anywhere between sort of like two weeks to six months, or oh, or, of, or years, even yeah. a couple of yeah. years, um, that you can be on probation. And in that time, you basically have to prove that you're reliable enough mm. to do the job um, so that people don't have to worry about whether you're going to affect other people's ability to do the job as well. Yeah. So that's basically the whole rationale behind the audition process. Uh, do you have, like, what's your weirdest audition? Do you remember? I remember I had this one, it was for a cruise ship gig this one time, and... Um, so it was like a phone audition. I had to play over the phone. I'm like, you know. really? Yeah. Yeah. So it was this bloke in LA. So we set up a time, and he gave me a call. And it was like 11 o'clock, you know, 11 p.m. my time, <laughs> which, which is a weird time to be doing an audition at the best of times. And you know, I had to play some saxophone into my phone, pretty, pretty much. And That's awful. Yeah, I know it wasn't ideal because can you imagine, like, you know, if phone quality audio is is pretty terrible as it is. Yeah, as it is. And then you know having to play saxophone and flute into a phone and, and some bloke over the other side of the world has to make a snap judgment on that's, you know, whether I'm good enough. That's terrible. So that was a weird one. Well, we've probably dribbled on about this long enough. I reckon so. Let's have a chat to our artistic director, Mr. Nick Deutsch. Nick, thanks for joining us. Hello, good morning. So, uh, auditions. This is like a massive part of the classical music industry in, in terms of like winning jobs and getting into um, institutions like Anim. Um, uh, tell us a little bit about what your experience is with this big world. Sure. Well, auditions are something we all have to contend with, unfortunately. It's sort of basically the key um, that lets us in the door, so to speak. And there's situations that we're not necessarily used to and we need to prepare for. And um, by meaning preparing for, I don't just mean the material that we're preparing as far as the audition, but for the situation itself. Because for many of us, it is a sort of a, a foreign situation which can, um, in a stressful situation, it doesn't necessarily need to be. And I think um, preparing for that situation can help us make it I don't want to say enjoyable, but that less stressful, so to speak. What are the things that can make it uncomfortable, do you think? Well, I think any element of surprise um, can be. I mean, you've really got to try and prepare yourself um, as much as you can for what? For anything. For, well, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean... Look, there are there are small there are small factors. It's it's being used to playing in that situation. I mean, you know, yeah. playing in a practice room, um, you're in your comfort zone. You can repeat things until you get it right. And I think in this situation, you've got to take more of a sportsman's approach. Um, I think the sports people say you've got to practice it till you can't get it wrong, mm. and and not have the musical approach of practice it till you get it right. And um, it's trying to simulate the situation, I think, helps as well. Um, you know, if you do have an audition, especially if you're playing something which is out of its sort of norm, like excerpts, you know, you, you, usually we play excerpts with accompaniment in an orchestra and all of a sudden in an audition situation, you have to play them um, in an unnatural situation, so to speak. And it's something you have to practice. And by simulating them, familiarizing yourself with the material, of course, I mean, excerpts is a whole other world we can sort of talk about later, but... Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really getting comfortable with the situation you're about to put yourself in. I, I hear this great story, a uh, tuba player, who has won like, a huge amount of auditions. And, and what the month leading up to the audition, what he'll do is he'll take you know, time out of his calendar and work out at the gym for an hour every day. And while he's on the treadmill or whatever he's doing, he's going through all the things that can possibly go wrong. Like he puts himself 
in that situation where things just the wheels fall off or he plays the wrong note and how and he will react in in his mind so he by the time he gets to that audition he's his mind is like a steel trap he's he's gone through everything that could possibly go wrong so he's ready for it yeah yeah that that sounds like a look all of these things are basically preparation um sort of for it and um and and repeating the simulation will result in many things sort of coming up that you can sort of deal with and prepare with i also heard about a trumpet teacher in germany whose uh, his studio is on the third floor of the hochschule and he makes his students run down three flights of stairs and run back up before they play the excerpts and so if you can do it under those circumstances you can do it under any so there are some unorthodox ways sort of of doing it but um yeah i mean i think it's basically each individual knows you know, needs to experiment a little bit and, and um, you know, I mean, let's put it this way. If you, if you set the bar very high in your preparation, your goal on the day should only be to play as well as you've prepared. And that's a very realistic goal. And if you have very realistic goals, then the chances of anxiety or nerves are probably diminished. Mm-hmm. Yeah? So I think, you know, um, set the bar high and um, really be very particular in your preparation and then on the day play as well as you've prepared. You know? mm. I mean, remember that, especially in an audition situation, um, most of the members, well, actually, it, it depends where. I mean, of course, it's important to know that the audition structure here in Australia is very different to the way it is in Europe. I think yeah. in How Australia, so? well, in Australia you have panels, um, which I think every orchestra sort of decides how the panel is comprised. Usually you'll have some specialists, but you'll have some some other instrumentalists. Um, Very often it's done behind a screen, um, which is also something one needs to be psychologically prepared for. Um, In Europe, it's a different situation, particularly in Germany, for example, where the whole orchestra is present. Oh, wow. And usually there are no screens. Everything is 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 very open. Um, um, in England, it's an entirely different system. It's sort of more for orchestras. It's a trial system. So, you know, at the end of a rehearsal, someone will come and play for a you know, a small panel. And uh, if they decide that it's worthy of pursuit, then they'll get a trial in the orchestra. And trials can, can run for years and years. Whereas in Germany, a job is basically given on the day. Wow. Um, they'll, they'll award the job and then th- there will be a trial period before one is given tenure. But um, I think in an audition situation, it's also important to familiarize yourself with the process, you know. Um, as much as possible, you know. Um, try and find out um, in previous auditions whether there's around mechanisms. In some orchestras in Germany, actually, in the in the excerpts rounds, they have, or especially in the finals, they have candidates playing against each other on stage. One of my first auditions was in Dresden in the Staatskapelle, and um, I found myself in the last round with a a colleague who I didn't know, who we've become subsequently very good friends, um, on stage together, and it was. He plays an excerpt, I play an excerpt, then I play an excerpt, he plays an excerpt. And that's something that I wasn't, in that situation, I wasn't particularly, you know, ready for. It was, it did have this element of surprise. Um, so I think all of these things, you know, uh, the more you know about it and the more, you know, uh, you can prepare for it, the less chances you have of sort of skewing did they Did they talk to you during that process when you were on stage with the other candidate? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean... You know, it, it really varies. I mean, in some auditions, they'll even ask you to play, to repeat an excerpt and oh, change yeah. it in a way because they just want to see how versatile you are. That's really brutal, being on stage with your competitor yeah. at the same time. So. I, I suppose, too, when, you have, when you've grown to have a personal relationship with each excerpt you're playing and, and each piece, hearing it 
done differently by you know a, a competitor or, or even worse a colleague uh, can be quite off-putting I imagine it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be I mean I think really if you come to an audition very well prepared and and believe in your product um, then I think even hearing it differently shouldn't really shouldn't really throw you or at least you should be able to go oh that's interesting that I can see how that kind of works but I like my version better. Well, you know, remember in an audition, you're only you're only against yourself, actually. Mm. You know, I mean, you have no control over the others whatsoever, mm. and so you can um, psych them out in the hallway, I guess. Sorry, you can psych them out in the hallway, I guess. Well, I mean, if you want to, if you want to invest your energy in the, <laughs> that, that, that's a different tactic to what I'd use. But um, no, I mean, I think you know, you concentrate on yourself yeah. and let them eliminate themselves. You know, it's sort of I think that's that's the, the better approach, yeah. and. Um, you know, I mean, I think if you really prepare well, as I said earlier, and your goal is only to, to play as well as you've prepared, um, it's a very realistic goal. And then you don't really have to worry about the others. And I, I think, you know, I mean, if you are, if you can perfect the technique that in every audition you play as well as you can, it's just a matter of time till you win your audition. I think the, the more worrying um, aspect is when people... It never feel that they're actually playing their potential in an audition. That's when one needs to retweak sort of the, the process. But you know, if you if you turn up to an audition and you've played your best, you've really played your best. Then, in my opinion, you've won that audition. You know, whether you win the job or not is another, is another matter. But that's that's actually what it's all about is is playing to your potential. Yeah, I I agree. There's that book, um, the Inner Game of Tennis, right? And there's this particular what was that? Uh, the Inner Game of Tennis, which is a, a you know a book about the psychology of playing. The game of tennis, but which gets used by a whole bunch of different disciplines, including music. There's an inner game of music, which apparently isn't quite as good, but the inner game of tennis gets um, you know, spouted a lot. And there's a particular line from it. I remember I was on the way to um, my first orchestral audition. I remember reading this line saying, It doesn't matter about the win or the loss. Um, if we're there to experience, then we are free. And that's always stuck with me because I think that's what, what, what you've just said. Yeah. Like if you divest slightly from the end result, whatever that may be, but realize that in the process you've become strong, you've become wiser and all these sorts of things. So it, it's at the end of the day, that, that, that's a win. Uh, do you have any uh, funny anecdotes about the audition process where things have gone wrong or, you know, um, you've also fallen off and you've had a bit of a laugh afterwards or if you've seen this happen? Well, you know, as we were saying earlier, you have to be prepared for things that are unexpected. I mean, uh, for my audition in Frankfurt in the opera, it was uh, quite funny. I just came back from a tour of the US, um, actually the, the day before, um, and I was living in Stuttgart and I took the train up to Frankfurt and um, I it's usually drawn, you, you draw lots. I think we were, we were probably about 50 or 60 candidates for that audition who actually were there um, and I was number two so I played very early on and then I, it was a lot of waiting around and that's when the jet lag started setting in and the fatigue and I just decided to have a nap um, and so I um, I was wearing a cord shirt sort of you know with stripes and when you sleep you sort of find yourself in a position um, and uh, when uh, the announcements uh, were given, I sort of woke up and I had these imprinted stripes on my face <laughs> and um, and I'd pass to the next round and unfortunately the first candidate didn't pass, I was first off the block. So rather than warming up, um, you know, playing in my reads and having a look at the excerpts, I just spent my time in the bathroom trying to get these silly stripes <laughs> off my face. Um, yeah, and... and <laughs> You know, walked on stage and did my thing. I, I, it's not a, a round that I was particularly proud of, but thankfully it was good enough to pass to the next round. From then on, 
things were a little stronger. But, you know, be prepared for anything. <laughs> <laughs> Facial imprints. Yes. Oh, That's crazy. <laughs> that kind of reminds me of... Um, I was playing... Um, I was playing a concerto with the youth orchestra back in New Zealand, and um, I was I was having a little nap beforehand, just before going on stage. And I had my arms up, raised above my head. Sort of, I was lying on my back, and my arms were raised, um, sort of above my head. I was resting my resting the back of my head on my on my hands. And um, when I when I woke up, and it was about ten minutes to before I had to go on stage, my right arm was completely numb, like. It was not my arm. It, w- it felt like someone else's arm. And by the time I was sort of backstage <laughs> ready to walk on, it was, um, yeah, it was still very much tingling and the sensation was only barely coming back and I had a concerto to play and that was, that was not fun. How did that go? <laughs> um, surprisingly, it went, it went okay. But, yes, it's very uncomfortable being in that situation where you... Yeah, well, you've got to play with someone else's arm. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sounds interesting. As Nick said, some things are just out of your control. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, th- things things do happen. I, I remember um, there was also when I started off um, just before I had a job, I was working a lot in Munich and in Stuttgart, and there was one of these typical situations where um, I can't remember. No, obviously I was in Munich, but there was a rehearsal in Stuttgart for an opera that I was playing later in Munich that I really wanted to do otherwise I'd have to do it without a rehearsal and it was a it was a Strauss opera so uh, we had the performance in Munich that night and I really knew I needed to get the last train um, to be to be in time otherwise you know going the next morning requires waking up very early and the danger of the trains being late Um, so I've sort of planned everything in I sort of within every act I sort of tuned a couple of minutes earlier to do everything I can to really make sure that the performance finishes as early as possible basically the minute sort of the the audience started clapping I just rushed out of the out of the pit and made my way to the train station arrived on the train had a beer in celebration of, uh, of, of making it and then I turned up at the opera house in Stuttgart the next day for my rehearsal and opened my oboe case and realised that I've left my oboe in the pit on the stand. <laughs> um, yeah, which... <laughs> yeah, was... was <laughs> Slightly alarming. What do you uh, do? Well, look, thankfully in this situation, the third oboe is only an English horn part. So I had to borrow uh, the third oboe player's uh, uh, instrument. I had my reeds, thank God. Oh. I think I'd, I'd much prefer playing a foreign instrument than foreign oh, reeds. Yeah. And um, I got through the rehearsal. Well, that meant going back to Munich to get my instrument for the performance that night. So, you know, I mean, it's... Uh, Did nobody say anything when you rushed out of the pit? Hey, Nick, you might want to bring that with you. Oh, look, I think I warned a few of the colleagues that I really need to make this train. Right. And um, Maybe they knew. Maybe they saw it on stage. And <laughs> well, like, yeah. Mm. <laughs> nah, we won't tell them. Oh, Nick's having light. <laughs> <laughs> you can see how keen people are to get home. They're not sort of aware of what's, what's left behind them. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, over the years, yeah, there's definitely a few um, moments uh, that you can't really prepare for. <laughs> Awesome. Well, Nick, thanks very much for uh, uh, for sharing all that with us. That that was quite interesting. My very, pleasure. Very interesting. Thank you. <laughs> thanks. For this week's minute of mimicry, 
we have Alex Morton, a horn player from New Zealand, who uh, has been at NM for how long have you been here? Uh, two and a half years. Very good. He's not meant to speak until he plays. Oh, doesn't matter. Okay. Um, for fresh listeners, the minute of mimicry is a, a little segment of introducing NM students to you. Um, the student will play 30 seconds or something. Kenny and I will then attempt to replicate that as closely as we can on two clarinets at the same time. Alex, take it away. <laughs> Okay there, Alex. All of them. <laughs> All of the keys. Stung on copyright there. Oh, really? Yeah. All right, Alex. Thank you for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. So you. you're you're from you're from New Zealand, of course. Yes, Kiwi. Kiwi. Yep. Hello. Uh, I am also from New Zealand. That's true. Oh, Kiwi. I'm, I'm in the minority here. You oh, are outnumbered. Outnumbered. Uh, Alex, why are you here? <laughs> why am I at NM? Why am I in Australia? No, it's a it's a perennial question of existence. <laughs> uh, I am here because this is where the opportunities are. And uh, I was a too small a pond sort of thing going on mm. back home. So I went where there were other horn players and competition and things to drive me. Go with the geese, Yeah. Yeah. So you were, in the, uh, you were in the minority in New Zealand as a horn player, I understand it? Yes. Uh, you guys were planning on asking me about the audition process. Well, the orchestras I played with, uh, there wasn't actually any auditioning done by me because I was the only horn player for the duration of my undergraduate, which is a sorry state to be in. <laughs> so um, at your university, you were the only horn player? Yep. Wow, you must have been busy. You were, yeah, I mean, that's the upside of it is that I got lots of work and I got lots of experience, but the, I mean, horns that were meant to be a, like a pack, Peter and the Wolf, were the wolf pack. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lone wolf is a sad thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what did you do for orchestra at that kind of thing? If you had one horn player? At university? Yeah. Um, we... Did you augment with saxophones or anything? No, <laughs> unfortunately not. We used to do that back in high school. Yeah, we, we did would... that in our high school yeah. band as well. <laughs> no, we would uh, we'd rehearse with one horn up until about two rehearsals before the concert and then a whole bunch of the New Zealand Symphony Orchestra horn players would come in and join us. Okay. Well, that would have been a nice experience, though. It to, was. To play with we, the NCSO. Yeah. Well, I mean, we still did lots of large repertoire. Like, we did Shostakovich, 11. Mm. Huge symphony. Yeah. But for, like, six or seven weeks, only had one horn player <laughs> in rehearsals, which is... Um, That's very lonely. Yeah. It is. So you must lonely. have been very, very happy to have been accepted into Adam. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It was very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Good. And where do you see yourself going next? What do you want him to be doing as a horn player? Um, sure. Ideally, I'm going to win a job very, very soon. Good. Uh, failing that, I'd quite like to go to Colburn in Los Angeles and study with Andrew Bain. 
who's uh, might have watched the most recent Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. Didn't actually watch much of the movie. I was too busy listening to the horn playing soundtrack. Yeah, it was very <laughs> distracting. Yeah, there was some fantastic brass playing on that yeah, soundtrack. Absolutely. Yep. So yeah, I want to go there and do that. Well, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, awesome. Would that be like a postgrad type thing or no? no. Just go over. Just and... more sort of similar to NM. Same sort of situation. Yeah, Colburn is. Um, it's like NM. You get you, you're um, on full scholarship there, mm. and. I think you do get a master's after two years of being there. Yeah, it can be accredited. Mm. Um, you can also just do, I think, like a performance diploma sort of thing. We were talking about uh, auditions this episode, and I suppose wherever you are in the world, there's going to be a very different audition sort of process, audition culture mm. than, than where you are. Um, yeah, I mean, as much as there are different traditions everywhere you go, I think the same sort of basics are going to apply you've got to be able to play in tune and time and all the right notes mm. yeah, that's exactly right mm. alex thank you so much for coming in my pleasure guys thank you for having me so obviously when you go into an edition you want to win it right like i guess so that's the idea i think that's the idea you've made a lot of effort to be there yeah um and sometimes sometimes you don't and you know it's win some lose some yeah and uh we asked around a little bit for some stories. Here are them now. <laughs> okay, so three days before my NM audition, I find out that the two pieces I've been preparing are not the set pieces for the audition. So two days before the audition, I go to the uni and practice all day, um, feeling really good. And then at the end of my practice session, I drop my horn off the table and it bends into this weird oval shape. And it's completely unplayable. So the day before the audition, um, I called the repairman and I said, I need this fixed straight away. And he said, no, it's going to take at least a week. It's going to cost so much money. And so I, that day I was crying and I called my teacher. I said, I really need to use your horn for this audition tomorrow. I've barely practiced the pieces. I'm so stressed. He said, no, it's fine. Just use my horn. It'll be fine. Um, the only thing is I've had this new hand strap fitted to it. So might be a bit weird for you to hold, but it should be fine. Anyway, so on the day of the audition, I turn up, and sure enough, my hand doesn't fit on this horn, and I can't actually reach the keys. And that's why I did my animal audition with an eraser gaffer tape to my hand. I'd applied for a German orchestra, and the audition, like most jobs, kicks off at about 10 a.m. Um, the night before, I'd had a quite late concert here in The Hague, and so I decided I'd just catch a train across in the morning. Um, so get up about six, get on the train, head off to the audition. Now, because it was such an early train and the trip was a bit long, I decided that I'd just go in some comfortable gear and then get changed into my performance clothes when I got to the audition. So make it, make it to the town, get off, get to the audition, no problem. Play for a bit and then I go to get changed and I realise I've left my suit bag with all my good clothes on the train. Now... What I was wearing at the time was a pair of thongs, some jeans, and a really old AYO shirt that I had from 2007 with a bunch of rips in it. And I'm thinking, well, it's okay, because the first round's normally screen. We go upstairs and we walk into the room, and sitting in front of me, in front of the stage, is all 99 members of the orchestra. (laughs) That was a very, very big shock. And so I had to stand on stage, dressed kind of like a hobo, and do the first round of the audition. 
So my story basically is based back in year 12. Um, this is a few years back now. But I uh, auditioned for the year 12 musical, and they were looking for an MC, a rapper. And I came in nervous as hell. None of my you know, peers knew I was into that stuff. And I was into some pretty weird stuff as well. So long story short, because of the nerves of performing in front of 15 of my peers and two teachers, I basically rhymed. I did a freestyle, but it was in sort of like 5-4. And no one quite understood what was happening. They all thought I was relatively shit and uh, I think maybe one of the teachers understood what was going on but either way I was deemed unfit for the musical for what they were after which you know makes me laugh now but yeah that was well scarring at the time. So I was practicing late at night and I thought because I was going to practice early in the morning that I would leave my instrument out and so I did that um, and I had to go to the toilet in the middle of the night as you do and walk across the floor and stepped on something soft turn the light on and I had totally walked the side of my bell. It was totally out of line. I mean, luckily it still went on because I'd screwed the bell in at that point, so it was all together, but um, it was a totally different shape. Um, I had an early morning audition the next day, so I just had to go in with a completely different instrument. Went in, shook the panel's hands, and as I turned around, they were like, what did you do your instrument? And I was like, uh... Uh, I was uh, going for a Dizzy Gillespie sort of thing, and no no comment, no laughter. They were just like, okay, we'll hear Strauss now. There was an audition room in Perth that had a pole in the middle of it, and this one particular performer was doing down on the corner, and she hadn't worked out the cut, so it was a repeat till fade, so she, and she hadn't worked out where it ended. so she started repeating and fading and she faded out behind the pole and disappeared behind the pole and just waited <laughs> for us to thank her and i it was very very hard for me to not laugh hysterically because it was very comical <laughs> unintentionally comical hiding behind a pole hiding behind the pole we couldn't see it and we were like thank you she, she came back out <laughs> surreptitious it was great that's a good one. Yeah. So it was one of my first auditions and I was uh, feeling pretty nervous about it, but I played the first Beethoven excerpt and it went pretty well. And then I moved on to my next excerpt, which was the uh, Rhapsody in Blue. And I completely destroyed it. I played the opening glissando and I squeaked all over the place and really had trouble getting it back on track and recovering as well. But I got to the end feeling pretty bad and then I heard a voice come through the curtain saying please move on to the Mendelssohn and I looked at the list of excerpts they'd asked for in the first round and I realized that that Rhapsody in Blue wasn't even on it and I'd completely unnecessarily played it and completely destroyed it as well. So that brings us pretty much to the end of this week's episode. Uh, like I said, we're on holidays at Annam, so uh, we can talk a little bit about what's coming up, uh, but really it's, it's, it's Simone Young. That's the next big thing on the list, which is the 19th of August, I believe. Yep. Um, and there'll be heaps of information coming up, but do check the, the website, annam.com.au, um, for all the information about that and tickets and that sort of jazz. And I was also going to mention, um, if you do come along to our gigs, um, it'd be really cool to leave a five-star review on our uh, and on Facebook page. Is that a thing? Yeah, that's a thing. I didn't know Just that. Just like a, like a restaurant or... Oh, I know what I'm doing when I get home. 
Yeah. Uh, also, uh, Anim is on Twitter at Life at Anim. So if, if you like the podcast, so if you have any uh, feedback or anything like that, feel free to drop us a line on Twitter or at our email address, which is podcasts at anim.com.au. Fantastic. So from the Australian National Academy of Music, this is the Upo Download. I've been Luke Carbon. And I am still Kenny Kevin. <laughs> See you next time.